KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. Okay, so we got a lot happening today. Brian, where exactly are we starting? Yes, Jay, a producer's dream, a first class, first world problem, we shall say. One crazy thing that happened yesterday here in Philadelphia in court during a murder trial. A fight broke out in the courtroom. Crazy stuff. John McDevitt was in the room where it happened. And he's going to tell us what transpired and what's going to happen to some of the people who were involved. In it. And, of course, the world is also keeping tabs on what's been going on between the Russians and Ukraine. And there's a really big Ukrainian population here in the city of Philadelphia. And KWW's Nina Barati is going to give us the local perspective on how this conflict is affecting people here. But before we can even get into all this, we had another breaking story just as we were starting to tape this thing today. Yeah, Jay, literally just as we walked into the studio, I heard Jim Melwert on the air with Denise Nakano talking about a decision that just came down from the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania about congressional redistricting. So this is what we know right now. Why don't we play what Jim said live on the air just to give you out there a sense of where this story stood at the time that we sat down to do the pod. Yeah, just getting this uh, uh, this map now, just still kind of pouring over it. But you remember Friday, there was uh, hours and hours of, of testimony and argument before the PA Supreme Court on 12 different maps. Uh, basically, it ended up before the Supreme Court because the state legislature and the governor couldn't come to an agreement. It's actually their job to do the maps. But once they ended up in a stalemate, it ended up before the court. Now, the map that they've picked is called uh, the Carter map. And during argument on Friday, uh, one of the, the points that was made by the attorney arguing in favor of this map was that it stayed as close as possible to the 2018 map. You may remember in 2018, the, the PA Supreme Court threw out the map that had been drawn uh, earlier that decade as an unconstitutional gerrymander and drew their own map completely. Re- we, you know, we went from goofy kicking Donald Duck or whatever those crazy districts were to ones that were more divided by counties. Uh, and the argument for this map that the Supreme Court has selected by a four to three margin tried to stay as close to that map uh, as possible. But again, a four three decision by the PA Supreme Court uh, selecting the uh, the map known as the Carter map. So that was something, Jay, that was happening at the state level. A bill that was recently introduced by city council here in Philadelphia was called the Driving Equality Bill. We talked about this in the podcast a few months ago. It was introduced by council member Isaiah Thomas, and essentially the objective of the bill was to take his own experiences, being a black man while driving and traffic stops and incidents that result from that, and try and reduce what the bill described as potential negative interactions between police and community members. So this bill was supposed to go into effect next week, but the Philadelphia Police Union has filed suit in common pleas court against the city, against the mayor, and against the commissioner trying to challenge this bill. Pat Loeb spoke with John McNesby. He's the head of the Fraternal Order of Police here in Philly about the lawsuit. No headlights or a bad inspection or not registered. Would you consider that safe? Is that what we've, we've actually come to in the city here is to drive around illegally and be able to just do whatever you want? You know, thumb your nose at the law. That's a recipe for disaster. I remember when council, when we had the, uh, the episode on this, Councilman Thomas had even said that very rarely had anything substantial ever come from any of these stops. So what was the point of having them? So this is this is why the bill was passed in the first place. And we'll clearly have more on that as we go through now with this lawsuit from the FOP. And not just passed, Jay. This bill was introduced and then passed in October. It was passed by a 14 to 2 margin. If you want to believe that the elected officials are here to carry out the mandate of the people, 
14 to 2 is a pretty substantial margin to pass that bill. Meanwhile, over at the Criminal Justice Center yesterday, we had a pretty wild scene break out as a fight broke out during a preliminary hearing for two men who were on trial for the murder of a teenager. Now, we're joined by KYW's John McDevitt. Reason being, John, you were in the courtroom when this happened. So uh, what happened in that courtroom yesterday? Yeah, so I was like, I was focused in on, you know, the details and uh, I don't normally cover court cases and it was helping out uh Kristen Johansson, she was on something else. And, uh, you know, just kind of getting the the lay of the land and knowing, like, you know, who is who. And, and, and that, that takes up a lot of time. So you can't take out your phone um, because that's contempt of court. If it, it, and um, that is uh, told to us over and over again. So paper and pen and running out of space. I'm just, you, you got to do like, like almost a really old school kind of pull out the, <laughs> totally. the notepad and just, you got to write <laughs> down the play-by-play of this, basically. Absolutely, particularly when I'm not like used to this. So was, yeah, that was fun. You know, but uh, this courtroom, it's it's 306. It's it's at the, in the uh, CJC, the Criminal Justice Center. And there's a partition, like a glass partition. So all of the participants of, of, of the case are behind that glass. The judge, the lawyers, the defendants, uh, the first witness was getting off the stand. You know, I'm in the gallery with, with, with the spectators. And one side, there was about, I would say, 30, 40 people on the victim's side. So there were there was a 15-year-old and a 16-year-old that, that were killed in, in April of last year. And um, their families and friends were seated together on one side. And then on the other side, the people there were family friends of the two defendants. There was a woman from the victim side who yelled over. And then this huge fight just started. It started with these two women. And then this, everybody was yelling at one another. And I was seated in the back. And there was a, a lawyer uh, there uh, right near me as well. And luckily, we were in the back <laughs> because if we were in the center, we would have been just engulfed in this sea of people just yelling, standing on the on the on the benches on on the on the uh, the benches that that we were sitting on, and you know, people pushing, people screaming, people like yelling at one another, like an inch in, in, in like at their face, and then I'm like, "Where's the cops? Where's where, where the sheriff deputies?" Like was it, it, that seemed like forever because it just escalated, and all these people there were babies in there there were at least three and you know and they're all all in this and and we you know basically i just like kind of went to the back corner and i didn't have my kyw jacket on so there was nothing to say like i was kyw so it was on the it was over there and i was like i had to <laughs> grab that and and uh and put it on and so that you know because they were the deputies they, were, they, were, they didn't know who was who so that was kind of uh, interesting. That went on for about twenty minutes. <laughs> twenty minutes. Yeah. So um, this was a, oh, this was a legitimate one. So it was it took time to clear this thing up. Yeah. You said there was pushing, there was shoving. Were there any punches thrown at all? Um, I didn't see that. I'm, I'm, there very well could have been. It just there was just everybody was up, standing up, and on on their on their seats. And and then when the deputies and police did finally come in, they were just pulling people's phones out of their hands because people were starting to record it. You look up through the glass, and I saw the judge off the stand, but to the side, he watching through the glass, and then just more and more help was arriving. 
And then when this order was restored, the judge, you know, said basically if this happens again, you know, contempt of court, nobody use your phones, you know, any footage of this, we will we will fine you kind of a thing. And, you know, you could you could face up to, uh, you know, uh, just under six months in jail. Oh, and no. yeah, so so. <laughs> Yeah, phones in pocket, shut it off. That's why, like, when you, when when the editor is trying to get me, my phone's off. <laughs> can't, can't, you can't can't answer the phone because you can't have it in the courtroom. Now we we kind of laugh about this because it is somewhat an yeah. entertaining description, but yep. this is very serious business that they're on trial for. As mentioned, two teenagers were killed, yep. and that's the whole reason we're we're in this courtroom in the first place. Yeah, twenty um, one year old Samir Hawkins and twenty year old. Quadir Daly, they've been charged with sh- the shooting death of a uh, 15-year-old boy, Namir Johnson, uh, on April 6th. That was near uh, 25th and Somerset Streets. And about a week later, there was another shooting. A 16-year-old uh, was killed in that. And Daly uh, is charged with that separate shooting. Yeah, I mean, this is very serious. And w- one of the things that, like, that I didn't really have time to talk about in the report, and this is the beauty of of this podcast, is that I heard things like it's all about drugs and young people are dying, and and this is why, and 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 during this is during the fight, it's it's like this is what I was hearing in the shouting, and it was like the victim side, and then the defendants are just basically yelling back at them. I it was it was so surreal. It was like <laughs> you know when you when you know when something happens when you're in like some sort of emergency situation, it's like yeah. all right, focus and yeah. and, and that's what that's what this kind of was. It was I didn't know how it was going to turn out. Like it was that it escalated that quickly. I'll be honest with you. This sounds completely chaotic and almost unprecedented, but at the same time in thinking about it, when you have a situation like this, especially in this type of case, in some ways, I'm kind of surprised that you you don't hear about emotions spilling over or spilling out more. I mean, just think about, like, what the charges are, people's lives lost already, other people's lives at stake, families broken forever. Like, I'm kind of surprised that you don't hear a little bit more about stuff like this. Maybe not this extreme, but just raw emotions in the courtroom. It's also like this is their neighborhood, you know. People see one another around. You know, you have victims, families, and of course they want justice. And then, you know, if you have perhaps, you know, people that have done this before and have a record, these people are, you know, going to defend their friends, their family. So it's like one of those like kind of almost like that, you know, the snitch mentality, like that people you know, don't say anything. You don't you don't talk on the streets. Yeah. Even no matter what you saw, you don't talk, you don't snitch, you don't sell you don't sell. Yeah. Out to I mean, there were people wearing um ski masks with their, you know, their surgical masks to disguise themselves. That was my take. But, you know, they were they were uh, during this fight, you know, some of the deputies were 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 actually talking to those people that were all covered up. And just saying, I'm surprised they let you in here because, you know, we, and then they ID'd them and, and all that. So it was like part of this that like you don't normally see. Quickly, what happens next here? And what was the judge's message moving forward with this thing? Yeah. So we, this was a preliminary um, uh, hearing. Um, so now it will move uh, on the next court date will be March 15th. So that's where it goes from here. But the judge's message, you know, after this fight, was that you know basically you could be if this happens again contempt of court five months twenty nine days in jail or something that he said and uh, so that 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 was kind of his message and he basically said this is unacceptable and this behavior so 
I was surprised that it, it court resumed. And you were there. John yeah, McDevitt, yeah. thank you so much for coming in studio with us today. Thanks. Talk to us on the Johncast about a very interesting day at the CJC yesterday. Thank you so much, sir. You're welcome, guys. And coming up, we look at how increasingly intense and unpredictable the situation between Russia and Ukraine is and the ripple effects it's having here in the city of Philadelphia with KYW's Nina Barati. We'll have that coming up here on the Johncast. I'm Brian Seltzer. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa. Sabrina, another day, and we're just kind of when it comes to this Russia-Ukraine situation, sitting around waiting for something to happen. Things are so tense and on edge right now. Something major could happen the second we turn these microphones off. Yeah, one thing that's been really helpful for me is trying to keep track of how this whole scenario is affecting things locally. And Nina Barati's done an awesome job of localizing an international story, talking to Ukrainians here in Philadelphia. And Nina joins us right now. So, Nina, thanks for joining us and hopefully helping us out a little bit here. Can you just help us work through this? What is happening between Ukraine and Russia? What are these threats of attacks all about? Well, first, thanks for having me. It seems like what a lot of local people in the Ukrainian community, they're kind of saying that this all started in 2014, which was years and years ago. It wasn't something that I don't think a lot of us here in the United States was following when Russia, they invaded a small portion of Ukraine, Crimea. And since then, that's kind of what a lot of Ukrainians here locally in Philadelphia kind of point the blame to with when Russia started invading. In fact, the one woman I spoke with, Irina Mazur, she's she's very active in the Ukrainian community here. She says that it has felt like for them and for her family that's still in Ukraine that they've been under attack from Russia since 2014. People who live in Ukraine, they live in fear of daily fear of invasion. Women and even uh, teenagers, they joined a local group that are learning how to defend themselves. People fortified their basements. She's kind of saying it's felt like we've been almost at a small war this whole time. And that's kind of the point that she said and a few other experts I've been speaking with. They say that there was almost like a flip-flop where Ukraine, they didn't completely support Russia. They didn't completely support anybody else. They've been developing as their own country, getting their own identity after World War II and the fall of the Soviet Union. And that invasion is kind of what made them stop completely supporting Russia. They have no problem with the Russian people. They have a lot of cultural and language ties to it. But that's when they kind of stopped supporting the government and they're focusing on themselves. So this isn't exactly new for them. What's new for us hearing about this is that Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, has been with these troops kind of what feels like there's he's squeezing them out and he's putting some pressure on Ukraine. Essentially, he does not want them to have any involvement with NATO or with the EU. And it seems like he still kind of wants to have that what people have been telling me a little bit more of the controlled feeling in that area. And with Ukraine, with a threat of it ever even joining NATO, that kind of scares him, it seems, just because it's loss of extra land, extra power. But For the Ukrainian people, this new actual invasion boots on the ground from Russian troops, that's what's new in these areas that they haven't seen troops at the border since. There really is a substantial Ukrainian population in Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia area, second largest Ukrainian population in the country behind New York City. And you mentioned, Nina, that the people who are here are trying to figure out what's going on with family and friends over there. Mm -hmm. How are they doing with that? How are they coping with that, the anxiety that I presume comes along with it? 
Some of the people I spoke with, obviously, it's 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 hard. They, you know, they say it's so difficult being hundreds, if not thousands, of miles away from their family. The one woman I mentioned earlier, she said her family is there. They're not quite at the border, but they are still over there. And she said the feeling is kind of every single day. You know, it's getting quieter. It's get you know you kind of, but again, they're kind of used to it. You know, they are used to feeling some sort of pressure or some kind of you know that kind of the atmosphere just kind of been almost heightened. But some people that are here in the United States that have talked about it, you know, they say it's not easy. It's not easy being this far away from their family. It's hard to watch. And they're constantly, you know, hour by hour, day by day, watching the news and praying and hoping and sending resources. A lot of people here, they say, you know, call your local Congress people, call your local senators, the people that can make a difference in D.C. We had a, um, a march here in Philadelphia, a rally. There was another one in Washington, D.C., another one planned in New York City. So they're going all over the East Coast trying to get attention to this just to hopefully come down with more sanctions on Russia. What can we do here in the United States that can help them? We've helped them with military training and with different weaponry. And now it's kind of this is the extra part that we can do right now that doesn't require us physically being there. But it kind of sounds like a lot of them are very proud to be Ukraine. They say Ukrainians are very strong people. And, you know, that's one thing that they're very proud of for their culture. And they, you know, they're going to people there have been training women, children, men. They, you know, they're ready to defend their land if that's what it comes down to. So, yeah, the Ukrainians here are saying they're kind of used to it. And did you think that lessens the threat? Like, what is the realistic possibility of this becoming war or an attack just about any day now? And I know you talked to some other local experts who are not Ukrainians, but who have studied this. How serious do they think this is? I think that nobody really knows, to be honest with you. I think every hour, every day, something else comes up, something else changes. I've heard from some people saying, you know, it's a minute, it's only a matter of time. And I've heard other people say it's absolutely not going to happen. I feel like at this moment in time, it kind of sounds like people who are expecting it to happen are they're kind of waiting for it. They see the signs, they see the troops, they see those numbers, and that scares them. And that's what makes them be fearful of it. But on the other end of it, people that are saying, oh, it's just the Russian troops are trying to kind of surround them and squeeze them out and almost, you know, scare them a little bit. And that to get what the what they want, which is, you know, for Ukraine not to have any type of allegiance with NATO or the EU. And the couple of the other experts that I spoke with kind of said what they're also watching is seeing how this is going to end up rippling and affecting other people. He said, for example, I believe he used the word defrost. We're going to start seeing other issues defrost around the world. One of them, an example he said was China and Taiwan. So he said it's kind of interesting to see these other countries that are watching what's going to happen. And they're watching the United States to see how is the United States going to get involved. They're watching the EU to see what different countries are going to step up and help with this whole crisis. So from a global point of view, people watching, they're kind of just seeing how everybody else is reacting. And that could, you know, we could potentially see more crisis, not even dealing with Ukraine or Russia down the line because of this, just with all eyes, just watching what is going on halfway across the world. Yeah, it really seems like right now, at least, we're in a real high-stakes situation of a staring contest. Yes. Who's going to blink first? And I think that regardless of what happens, hopefully there's no war, hopefully there's no bloodshed. But right now, as far as the United States is concerned, there is this extra pressure, just something else that America in its current situation, <laughs> and we know how divided things are here right now and how volatile things are on multiple fronts, it's just another thing for this country to have to deal with. Did you get a sense, Nina, from the people that you spoke with, whether Ukrainians or experts, how Ukrainians in the United States or at least this area feel the government is handling this, how the Biden administration has been going about things so far? 
I think there's uh, two parts to that. And one of them being the one thing that Irina uh, had told me was just putting a scope on the United States. Right now, we're in a time, and we've been in this time for a couple of years, there's been, there's a lot of divide between Democrats and Republicans. There's a lot of divide between Congress. There's a lot of divide between our own political spectrum. And her point being is we have to all come together as a country, because if we look weak, that's going to show Russia that we're weak. And that's the one point. So coming, you know, here at home, Everyone being on the same page, everyone kind of showing that the United States is united. That's a big key, too, just to show the United States is not weak and we're not messing around. That was kind of the one point of it. And I think the other half of it is when Biden first spoke about, I think that was, oh, it's all merging together a week or two ago. Now we're seeing today some of these uh, tougher sanctions coming out. That's what they wanted. They wanted to see these tougher sanctions. They wanted to see the United States do their end of it, which for them is the sanctions at this point of time. And just how else could the United States put just more pressure on Russia to just halt this operation completely? These types of international affairs, you know, I feel like it's very hard sometimes to see how they can affect us here sitting in Philadelphia, but they really do. What are some of from the experts that you talk to, what have they said about what we could see in the U.S. in the Philadelphia region, whether it becomes full out war or not? Right. So I think the biggest thing, and we are already starting to notice it, and it, it, from my understanding, we're going to start seeing it get worse, is gas prices. Gas prices are already high from talking to just experts in that field and with AAA, too. It doesn't seem like those are going down until this starts to calm down. So we are going to start seeing higher gas prices. They've already been high, so I'm not sure how high, how much higher they could possibly get. That's the one part of it. Another point that somebody brought up was actually our stock market. We might start to see a, a plummet of some stocks, which, you know, that in turn affects the economy, affects jobs, it affects income. But as one expert that I spoke to put it, he said that could actually kind of help deal with our inflation issues that the United States is currently dealing with, too. If there's a drop in the stock market or something with that, that might force some prices to also come down just because, you know, just with the craziness that comes with the stock market and um, income in and out of households, that could trickle and affect that, too, which might not be a bad thing. But again, that's something that we have to see what happens with the stock market. You never, it's hard to predict with that stuff, as we know, especially over the past year. But I think the biggest thing is the gas prices. And when it comes to imports and exports, too, the one thing that one of the experts I spoke with said is we don't really deal with Russia that much when it comes to importing and exporting. It's just that's not a big country that we deal with imports and exports. So if there's a sanction that cuts that down, that communication down between the United States and Russia, it's not going to really hurt the United States as if it was coming from another European country, from China, from some of these other areas around the world that we're constantly doing importing and exporting that those relationships with. So I think bottom line for Philadelphia, especially it's gas prices is the biggest concern. All right. Well, as we said, this is a fluid, volatile story that seems to be changing real frequently. So we know Nina Barati will be on it for KYW News Radio. Nina, before you get out the door, we would be remiss if we did not mention this is your first appearance on the John Cast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. So excited to be here. How's it been? It's been great. KYW is awesome. I listened to it growing up. Uh, it's been, I, as I told when my, I interviewed here, it was the soundtrack of my childhood, KYW and WIP. So being here working with all of you guys and all the people I grew up listening to has been a dream and a half. So it's been, it's, it's a wonderful place to work, wonderful people. We're just surrounded by positivity here. So it's great. Love that. I'm so happy to have you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, that's Nina Barati. Follow her on Twitter at Nina underscore Barati and check KYWnewsradio.com for all of the information you need as this story continues to unfold. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Serka. I'm Brian Seltzer. That's all we got for today. We will catch you tomorrow. Have a good one. See you.